people of God were in exile in the nation of Babylon. Uh, they were there because of their disobedience to God. But while they're there, God has promised to watch over them. God has promised to, to help them. But the king that was on the throne at that time was a man named Nebuchadnezzar. And quite frankly, Nebuchadnezzar was full of himself to the point where he had this huge gold idol of himself uh, manufactured and set up. And then he gave a decree that when the instruments played at, at a specific moment, everybody in the nation was to bow down in worship to this image. And so we come now uh, in chapter 3 of Daniel. I'm going to begin reading in the 8th verse. Daniel chapter 3, beginning in the 8th verse. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If, you are th we are, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king 
in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. So there you have it. That's our text for today that's going to launch us off on this word that God's put in my heart for all of us here today. King Nebuchadnezzar erected this statue, ordered everybody to bow down. But three men, three Jewish men, three people of God refused to bow down. They were not afraid to resist the order of the king. They did what everyone else was afraid to do. They took a stand. And by stand, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So you'll see it come on the screen. By stand is, it means to take and maintain a position or attitude. To take and, and maintain a position or an attitude. So they took a stand the other Jews, remember there were plenty of Jews that had been uh, taken to Babylon in the exile there. Uh, but there were three men here among all of those Jews. While all the other Jews bowed down to this idol, they would not. Even at the threat of death, they maintained their position, their attitude. that They, they would rather go into the furnace rather than bow down. And so, as we read, they went into that furnace. They were thrown into the furnace because to them, their stand was more important than their life. In fact, their stand was their life. Their stand was their life. As this year this new year that God has graciously given us begins to unfold. I want to talk to you today about taking a stand. About taking and maintaining a specific attitude and position. Now, before I share what that is, let me begin by saying this. As you'll notice that there was a lot of pressure put on by the other astrologers to get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to fall in line, to bow down. I want to make sure that you understand that there will always be outside forces, outside pressure put on you and I to get us to bow down, to get us to do what everybody else is doing. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the minority. Everybody else had bowed down. And now there was pressure for them to go along with the program and to do and to say what everybody else was doing and what everybody else is saying. Now, I believe that in this hour that we live in, more than ever before, probably because of social media and what it's become in our society, whether we are dealing directly with people or through social media, I believe more than ever before there is pressure 
on the people of God to fall in line. There is pressure to, of people of God to, to, to bow down, uh, to take a stand, if you will, regarding two critical issues that we have seen over this past, this last year. Social injustice and politics. Now, I want to state this for the record so that everybody fully understands. I am not against social injustice. And I thank God that we live in a country where we are given a voice that is expressed through our vote. We get to decide who it is that's going to serve us in the government. So I thank God for that. I thank God uh, that, that we have opportunities at times to, to help correct social injustice. I'm not against that. But having said that, I want you to listen to the book of uh, Philippians, uh, uh, one specific verse, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Listen to the instruction of the Apostle Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit. Whatever happens, you at home say that with me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and he's telling them, I want you to know that whatever happens, make sure that you conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, to make sure that we understand the context of that and why Paul wrote that, Paul, at that moment in time when he was pending this letter, had been unjustly imprisoned because he was a believer. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of his stance in ministering the gospel, the apostle Paul had been arrested. Nero, the Christian killer, was on the throne. On top of that, there were people that were falsely preaching the gospel. They weren't doing it out of a pure motive. They wanted to stir up the, the, the society. They wanted to stir up the people and get more, to, to get more angry at, at Paul, thus to create more problems for Paul. So you had all of this injustice going on in the Apostle Paul's life. Yet, Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he instructs the, the church, the believers, not to cross the line. In other words, he's saying, no matter what happens, whatever takes place, make sure that you don't say or do anything that tarnishes the gospel of Christ. Make sure that whatever happens, you conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So now we need to ask ourselves, what is the gospel of Christ? What was Paul referring to and referencing when he talked about the gospel of Christ? Well, let's go to the gospels. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus said this to his disciples. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer him the other also. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then lastly, 
In Matthew chapter 26, verse 52, he told his disciples who had the sword, put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. So, what do these few verses teach us? Notice Jesus said, if there's an injustice that's done because somebody abuses you physically, don't respond by physical violence in kind. Rather, turn the other cheek. Difficult words for us today, isn't it? But that's the gospel of Christ. Don't pay back violence with violence. Those are the words Jesus echoed again in the Garden of Gethsemane when one of the disciples pulled out the sword. Jesus taught us to love our enemies. He wanted his disciples, his followers, to be different from all other followers. Uh, all other followers, it wasn't a problem. It was okay and right for you to love your enemies. But the, in the gospel of Christ, we are told by the Lord that we are to love our enemies and that we're for, to pray for them. That's the gospel of Christ. So in other words, what the gospel of Christ is teaching us today is that how we take a stand, how we respond to social injustice, how we respond to, to politics is more important than the outcome. Let me say that one more time. How we conduct ourselves, how we respond to social injustice, how we respond in politics to the Lord, is, it's more important how we respond than the outcome of our response. Now let me get to Wednesday. The riot that took place in our nation's capital. I think by now you'll agree with me that what happened was absolutely terrible. Five people lost their jobs. Countless others were injured. Property was destroyed. And that was terrible. But let me tell you what was more grieving than that. What, what, what was the icing on the cake that sealed it for me that this was the word that God wanted for us to hear today? I don't know about you, but I was home watching this as it was unfolding. And suddenly, I saw among all of that mayhem, a man waving a Jesus flag. And another draping a, a banner that said Jesus. And I thought about that and said, God, here we have believers engaged in breaking the law, injuring lives, bringing about destruction. And on top of that, they're waving the, a flag with your name on it as if to say, this is all sanctioned by God. This is all acceptable to the Lord. And when I saw that, my heart was so grieved that I'm saying, God, how does that glorify you? How does that honor you? That's when this word came to my heart. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's what the Bible teaches us. 
that no matter what we see, if you are in that camp that feels there was an injustice done, I get that. You have a right to feel that way. But as the people of God, we do not have the right to conduct ourselves in a manner that tarnishes the name of Jesus Christ. You cannot, we cannot uh, get to that place where we uh, 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 encourage and support violence and the breaking of the law and then uh, have the audacity to wave a, a Christian flag, a flag with the name Jesus on it, as if to say, this is for God. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. And by the way, I'm not just talking about the people who were there that day. I'm talking about also believers who then went on social media in support of what transpired that day. And I'm saying, how do you support violence? How do you support people getting hurt and the, and the police officer being killed, plummeted by, by a, a, a fire extinguisher? How do you support the, the destruction of property? That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make sure, my brothers and sisters, that as a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, that you use social media to build up and not to tear down. You may disagree, and you're welcome to disagree, but remember, we answer to God. For every word that, we're spoke, that we speak, including the words that we speak through social media. Listen to this verse, because I'm compelled to go a step further on this. About, we're talking about taking a stand, and I'm talking obviously today about taking the right kind of stands. Understanding that we have to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, no matter what transpires around us in life. In Matthew chapter 28, listen to Jesus uh, once again to his followers. Verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what's known as the Great Commission. Many of us know that. Most of us know that. This is the Great Commission. In other words, this is the mission that Jesus imparted to the church. Our mission here on this earth, our highest priority is to make followers of Jesus Christ, disciples, those who have embraced Jesus Christ as their Savior and notice, and to teach them, you've got to obey everything, all the commands I have given you, the command to turn the other cheek, the command to pray and bless your enemy, the command to put that sword down and not to take up that sword. I want you to teach all of my followers the gospel and the commands I have given you. That is the highest priority of the church. That is the mission that God has given us collectively and individually. Now, while we are helping to correct injustices, it, and, and that's a good thing, 
It's important that we remember, that we remind ourselves this morning, while that's a good thing, that is not the mission of the church. We help here to feed people that need it. We have, uh, and working out with several ministries that are supplying food that we can supply to the community and all those things. We are allowing free COVID testing in our parking lot, trying to work with the community to help the people. While all those are good things, they are not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to save souls, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the other important thing I want to say. The church should never be engaged in politics. Let me say that one more time. The church should never be engaged in politics. Why do I say that? Well, because the church is a collection of people from all walks of life, right? Uh, in the church, we have people who are Democrats. In the church, we have people who are Republicans. In the church, we are people that are independents. So the church has, is this melting pot of people who have different beliefs when it comes to their political affiliation. And that is their right. And politics should always be kept private. Because haven't you noticed, especially in this day and age, that when you engage in politics with somebody who's of a different slant than you are, it never ends well. In fact, I've seen on social media, I've even heard people say this, where people now, Christians now, Brothers and sisters who engage in talking and discussing politics ultimately wind up questioning one another's faith. Well, if you're a Christian, how could you believe that? How could you stand for that? In other words, we all of a sudden, politics brings us into the arena where now, even though we're commanded by God to stay away from that, we are never allowed in Scripture to judge another person's faith based upon their beliefs in politics. But yet, in this day and age, Christians feel so at ease questioning the sincerity of somebody's faith, the quality of somebody's spiritual walk because of their political affiliation. And thus, it becomes a toxic environment where suddenly brother is against brother, sister is against sister. And that's why politics should never be discussed in the open. It should be a private matter. That's why, by the way, when you go to vote, it's a private voting because it's between you and, and, and your conscience. And that's how it should stay. My encouragement to every believer, and for those of you who are listening on, the, uh, on social media, wherever it might be, listen to me. Don't get into politics. Stay away from that. Because ultimately, it will lead you down that road. If somebody asks you, well, who, who do you stand for? Who do you vote for? They say, listen, you know what? That's my personal belief. And I, my, my convictions are going to remain private. And just stay away from that. You'll be so much more blessed if you do. Now, I want you to listen to me now. Because even now, 
Holy Spirit, help me to communicate these words in the spirit that's supposed to be communicated. Help us all to receive it in the spirit in which it's intended. There's something I want you to consider. Have we gone off mission? And remember, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Have we gone off mission when we are willing to go out and march for injustice, but we won't go out to share the gospel? Have we gone off mission when we are passionately raise our voice in politics and, and go out and even hand out flyers for the person that we, we want people to vote for, but we won't go out and share a track? We have no passion to see people come to Christ. Are we so involved and enthralled in saving the earth that we've possibly gone off mission because saving the earth has become more important, has become more important to us than saving souls. Again, let me stress one more time. I am not against social injust- uh, fixing social injustice. I think when we have the opportunity to do so, we should. Nor am I against even people who are involved in politics and so forth. I have no, no problem with that. I have no problem if you want to save the seals or, or there's, you know, this uh, specific animal that's on the extinct list and you want to put some effort into there. But brothers and sisters, listen to my heart. The Great Commission, our top priority while we are on this earth is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we are giving more energy to these other things, if we are more passionate about these other things, I mean, think about it. Uh, Some people will say, well, you know, my passion is helping uh, people. My passion, the way I minister the gospel is, you know, I want to help the poor. I get helping the poor. It's important we do that. But if all we do is just help the poor and never share the gospel, then I would consider that being off mission. There are social companies designed to help. The church has a mission. And you and I, as part of that church, the people of God, need to stay focused on our mission. We need to take a stand that if somebody wants us to get involved in fixing a social injustice, we evaluate the situation. Look, I'm taking a stand that no matter what happens, I am not crossing the line. I am not going to conduct myself in a manner unworthy of the gospel. I I, want to make sure that everything that I say, that everything that I do honors God, glorifies Jesus that I conduct myself in a way that he would conduct myself. And you know, remember that they used to have those bracelets, WWJD, that stood for, what would Jesus do? 
The focus behind all of that was so that you and I would be, have a reminder on our wrist to always ask ourselves, in this moment, what would Jesus do? What would he say? How would he respond? And, and so it would help guide us in our response, help guide us in, in the words that we speak so that we would hopefully get an opportunity to say in this moment, well, the Lord wouldn't say that, so that means I shouldn't say that. Well, the Lord wouldn't do that. That means I shouldn't do that. That was the whole focus behind that. And you and I have God's word. And we have the Holy Spirit behind us to help us, to guide us. Our injustice is wrong? Absolutely. If we can correct them, we should. Do politics sometimes frustrate us? Yes. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. But can we all agree on this? What the world needs is Jesus. What does it matter if we have the, the perfect president? What does it matter if we have the perfect congressmen and senators and all these people? What does it matter if we eliminate all the injustice on the face of the earth, but nobody turns to Jesus? What have we gained? We've gained nothing. And in the end, the truth is, none of those things will change without Jesus. And listen, if you agree with me what that, that what the world needs is Jesus, well, we have been commissioned by God to bring Jesus to them. That's the great mission of the church. Worship team, if you would come. Now, let me close with this, in the book of Exodus, and let me just set up the moment. Moses had been up in the mountaintop with God. While he was on the mountaintop, the people were down below, and the people down below, God's people, had begun to engage in partying and crossing the line and how they conduct themselves to the measure that God got angry and, and told Moses that he wanted to wipe them out. Moses went down, saw what was going on. He throws down the, 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 the tablets that God had written the Ten Commandments on. And then Moses uttered these words. He said, so he stood, meaning Moses, in Exodus chapter 32, verse 26. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And the Levites gathered around him. All of you who are on the Lord's side. In other words, Moses was asking the people to take a stand. Take a stand saying you're going to be on God's side, meaning you are going to follow and obey the Lord in everything that he commands us to do. I find it interesting that of all the 12 tribes of Israel, there were approximately, as estimated, a million people, and yet only 3,000 Levites approximately Cross the line to the Lord's side. Listen to me. 
I believe in this year, more than ever before, in this environment that we live in, that there is a call in the spirit. Who is on the Lord's side? And listen, this call is never to the unbeliever. This call went out to the people of God. The call of the spirit of God to his people. Who's on my side? Let him come to me. Let him come. Let him make that decision and take a stand that no matter what happens in the rest of this year, at however it unfolds, I'm going to conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now, remember, taking a stand, going to the Lord's side, you will always be in the minority. And I'm talking again among God's people, not in the minority with those who don't know Christ. I'm talking even among the people of God in the church, taking a stand for living righteously and in holiness before the Lord by following the gospel of Christ. When you take a stand, you need to know you are going to be in the minority. There were only three Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that said, I refuse to bow down. I'm taking a stand. Even if it costs me my life, I am taking a stand. Only three, the minority. Only three of the entire nation of Israel, only 3,000, came to his side and took a stand that day. Now, Let me end with this thought, and then we'll pray. Everybody, every single day, takes a stand. I said all of that to bring it to this conclusion. Every single day, you and I have to take a stand, and we will take a stand. Either we're going to stand for the Lord, or we're going to stand with everybody else. But we will make a stand. So the question becomes... Are you prepared today to take a stand, to come over to the Lord's side, to say to the Lord today, Father, as of this moment, I am taking a stand that no matter what happens this year, no matter how it unfolds, I'm going to conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. With the grace of God strengthening me and undergirding me, I want everything that I say, everything that I do to glorify Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of going with the crowd. It's not a matter of following the popular trend. I don't want to fall into that trap. And I will not live in that trap. I'd rather be in the minority, even if it costs me my life, even if it costs me my livelihood. Now, we know according to the scripture, that Jesus went into that furnace and was there with the three men and kept them miraculously from being burned. And when they came out, Nebuchadnezzar was so overwhelmed with what happened that he wound up blessing them. Listen, can I add this? Even though it shouldn't be added or shouldn't be necessary to add this, but I want to add this anyway. Because they took a stand for Christ, because they said, I am going to follow God and God alone. I'm not going to bow down to anything else. Yeah, they had to go through that furnace experience, 
But in the end, God blessed them greatly. The Levites that joined Moses, they had no clue what would be the outcome of that. But because they took a stand and came over to the Lord's side, they got the priesthood and got to function where nobody else was even allowed to function. They got blessed that way. The greatest blessing in all of our lives, and I am not talking materially now, I'm talking about spiritually. The greatest blessing awaits us in taking a stand on the Lord's side.